I would like to start in the year 1906. There was a British man who journeyed from Australia across the Pacific and he arrived here in the west coast of Los Angeles. And many, many years later, it was 1920, after him settling there for many years, he was eventually interviewed by a newspaper editor called the LA Examiner. And something unusual happens. This Englishman, whose name was Charles Francis Seawright, he started the interview not by referring to his birth name of Charles, but instead says, my name is Muhammad Abdul Haq. The editor of the examiner, obviously, he begins asking him a little bit more details. And then he starts to tell him about the Islamic mode of fasting in the month of Ramadan. So the editor writes, this, band, this man with his band of Muhammadans, he is here trying to teach us or sharing the prescribed fast in the religion of Islam. As you can imagine, in 1920, this is something very unusual for a person born Charles, a Christian name, to now mention himself as Muhammad. This was a very exotic, you can say name change transformation. But this was not unusual in the past hundred years of Islam in America. And this man Charles was not an ordinary man. He was a very high position in the Australian government. And he traveled the world and eventually went to India. And we'll discuss a little bit more about who he was as we move forward. But what we have noticed is that in the history of Islam in America, many a times historians will refuse to mention the contributions of Ahmadiyya Muslim Jamaat here in USA. They will sometimes leave out the fact that the first missionary came was a none, none other than Hazrat Mufti Muhammad Sadiq Sahib, Razi Talanhu. They will try not to mention the various mosques that we built or where Hazrat Mufti Muhammad Sadiq Sahib journeyed to inaugurate certain mosques and so on and so forth. And the reason for that, I want to address that now as well, because I have some youth, some youngsters come to me, Ahmadi, but they are not aware of some of the basic tenets of what we believe as Ahmadis. They have some Sunni or Shia friends, and they sometimes get confused. So I want to just cover some of those things very briefly. If you know already, that is great and good. If you don't, this is for those of you. The first and foremost thing is that, as an Ahmadi Muslim, we believe in the Kalima, just as it was recited by the Holy Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and that is La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah Nowhere do we change this name of Muhammad to any other name This is our master Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam The second is with regards to a teaching in the Holy Quran that says anybody anybody who obeys Allah and obeys this Prophet of Allah, they will be given four different degrees of ranks, four levels, four degrees, four different 
titles that they could be given. They could be Saleh, they could be Shaheed, they could be Siddiq, and they could be Nabi. So they could be righteous, they could be Shaheed or martyr, they could be Siddiq, which is ever truthful, or they could be a Nabi, which is a prophet. So our belief is that the promised Messiah salam, the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, Hazrat Ahmad salam, was a prophet of God, but according to this verse of the Holy Quran, obedient to Allah and obedient to the Holy Prophet Muhammad wasallam. The third thing that we understand and believe very strongly is that Hazrat Isa salam, Jesus, was not raised up bodily, to heaven, nobody is raised up bodily to heaven. Everybody dies a natural death here, or everybody dies their death on earth. Nobody can escape death. Not Jesus, nobody else. And so because we believe that He died on earth, and He did not go up to heaven, we believe that when Jesus was to return, it was a metaphorical coming, or a metaphorical likeness. So it's not the same exact Jesus that was intended to come. But somebody would come in his name, somebody would come in the spirit of his work. Now just imagine for a moment if we were to take the alternative. According to, you can quote unquote, orthodox Muslims, they believe that the Holy Prophet Muhammad wasallam, is the last Prophet. Khatamun Nabin. We also believe him to be the Khatamun Nabin. The difference is we say that he is a seal of the prophets. He certified those who were prophets before him, and he certified the prophets who will come after him. But they believe, no, he's a physically, he's the last prophet of God. So here we say that this is very absurd, in the sense that, on one end, Allah Almighty said, you, O prophet, are the last prophet. I give you that very special distinction. You are given that honor. But on the other side, he tells the Prophet that there's still going to be a need of a Prophet though. You're the last, I want you to be the last, I think you are worthy of being the last, but we may need another one afterwards. So then God decides, okay, well you know what, I've already you know, decided that he has to be the last, how can I resolve this, this problem? So he simply says, okay, you know what, the Prophet before him, Jesus, I'm just going to keep him alive. I'm not going to allow him to die. I'm going to take him up to heaven, keep him there. So when he comes back afterwards, he'll be able to fix the problems that a prophet needs to do afterwards. And in this way, the prophet Muhammad wasallam, will be the physical last prophet while I'll have solved the problem by putting somebody in heaven. And just for a moment, think about how that sounds. It sounds almost like God was second guessing himself. He didn't think it through. He gave him a title and then forgot, oh, but there's still a need for a prophet. What do I do? We on the other hand, we understand very clearly, obviously, that the Holy Prophet Muhammad wasallam, was given the title Khatamun Nabiin, which means that he was a seal of the prophets. Every prophet that came before him, even Jesus, according to the Bible, you cannot even properly prove that he was a prophet. There is nobody on this face of this earth that can genuinely prove it, unless they are a Muslim who is reading the Holy Quran. So it was a stamp of the Holy Prophet Muhammad Otherwise, around us we have plenty Jewish people who do not believe in Jesus. Why don't they? 
They say, God forbid, they raise allegations against his mother, and so on and so forth. But it was the Holy Qur'an, it was a stamp of the Holy Prophet that gave him the title of a prophet. In the same way the Qur'an says, anybody who's coming afterwards, if they obey Allah, and they obey the Holy Prophet Muhammad wasallam, they can have the status of prophet. Now next part is that, obviously the promised Messiah, Hazrat Ahmad, Mirza Ghulam Ahmad salam. He himself declared, I am that appointed prophet. He very openly said, look, I have been told by Allah. In a dream he was shown, that angels are flying around in the entire world, they're looking for somebody. Like an aerial view. And all of a sudden they see Hazrat Ahmad a.s. So when they come down, they start to point, and they say, Haza rajunu yuhibbu Rasulullah. That this, Haza, this is the man who loves the Holy Prophet Muhammad So in this way Allah Almighty chose him because of his obedience. Because of his love for Allah and his obedience to the Holy Prophet Muhammad So when we believe him to be a Messiah, when we believe him to be a Mahdi, he is not on his own, he is not alone. We believe in Allah, we believe in the Holy Prophet Muhammad his Shariat, his Holy Quran, and the person to help push that, to bring it back alive, is his Messiah, the promised Messiah And lastly, many people will have allegations that we, God forbid, pray different ways. We pray in a different direction. Some may even say we pray towards Qadian, that is all absurd and false. We pray towards the Holy Kaaba, where the Holy Prophet Muhammad wasallam used to pray. Now who is this Mirza Ghulam Muhammad Islam? Who is this holy great man? Well, when he was very young, he used to pray. He used to pray a lot. In fact, he was always secluded, always alone. It's already enough that he was in a small town called Qadian, which is even unknown today. But what was unique at that time, amongst his home, amongst the family, his father had all the riches, he was the chief of the town. He could have given him any luxury he wanted, and yet his son didn't want anything to do with it. He was completely alone and isolated. He didn't want anything to do with anybody. But I wouldn't say that he was spiritually isolated. He was connected to the divine. He was connected to God Almighty. And during his youth or his young years, he did spend quite a lot of time studying, reading. And what came to his attention many times or most of the time were books that were written against the Holy Prophet Muhammad mm-hmm. Either by Hindus or by Christians. Hundreds of thousands of accusations and allegations and false stories and one accusation after another were written about the Holy Prophet Muhammad. Mm-hmm. But remember, he is this is this is the man who loves the Holy Prophet. So what did he do? He decided, you know what, enough is enough. He didn't find any book, anything on the face of the earth at that time to defend him and defend his honor. So he decided in his isolation, with no desire for fame. He didn't want to be famous. He began to write a book called Brahim Ahmadiyya. The sole purpose of that book, of course, was to defend the Holy Prophet Muhammad wasallam. Now he loved the Prophet so much, and I know that, you know, if you just imagine for a second, why he loved him, because of the message of the Prophet, why he was so close to him, because of the teachings and the Shariat and the Qur'an and the depth of that Qur'an 
that he was given by, by following the Holy Prophet Muhammad wasallam. There was once a time when he was walking on his roof back and forth. And he was reciting this couplet that was not written by him. It was written many, many years before. It was written about the, the demise of the Holy Prophet, like a eulogy. And he's repeating the words and he's tearing up, he's crying and he's weeping. And he's constantly reading this, constantly reading this and he's constantly crying. And then he says, he says, I wish that I had come up with the words of this couplet. Because it really, it really shows the love for the Holy Prophet Muhammad. This is the kind of man he was. Now he writes this book. What happens? People were thirsty for somebody to stand up and defend the Holy Prophet. Even today, imagine for a second if you turn on the TV and all you hear is garbage about Islam. You'll be sick and tired. You'll want somebody to get up and say something. Well, at that time he wrote a book. And he wrote not just a normal, ordinary book. He wrote Brahina Hamadiyya, a book that shook the very core of Islam at that time. It was defenseless, it was alone, it had no leader, and all of a sudden this man called Ahmad, or Hazrat Ahmad stood up. Now people jumped behind him right away. They huddled around him, they said, we, we support you. We know that you love the Holy Prophet Muhammad wasallam. we want to support you. So what happens next? God Almighty continues to bless Hazrat Ahmad so much so that he begins to speak to him. More regular, more often, more with more stern discourses and discussions, in such a way where he says something such as famous as, I shall cause thy message, your message, to reach the corners of the earth. For another instance, of course, we all know this very famous saying, is not God sufficient for his servants? And in this time, slowly but surely, this small tiny village that was unknown, started to become known throughout India. People started hearing about this village called Kaldian. And not only did they hear about it, they would get up, they would get their bags, and they would travel hundreds of miles, hundreds of kilometers, just to go there. One of course was Hazrat Maulvi Nuruddin, his closest disciple, and of course his first Khalifa, who also traveled to Kaldian, and eventually moved to Kaldian, and never went back to his hometown. Now Hazrat Ahmad had many years in which he showed so many different signs and I, I can't even number them. But just to give you one example, when the bubonic plague hit India, 10 million people were killed because of this plague. Even before it was announced, he had a dream. And he saw that angels are planting this dark black, you know, poisonous plant throughout India. And when he asked what it is, they say it's ta'un, it's the plague. We are planting this plague. And then Allah Almighty reveals to him, He says, those who are in the four walls of your home, and those who follow you and obey you, they will be saved from this destruction or this disaster. And so in this way, he announced very clearly, he said, look, the government has come up with these shots, right? Like we have flu shots nowadays. So the government has come up with these shots, inoculation, that will help people from the plague. And I urge people that if they want to use it, they should. It's not that they've come up with this shot that's 
evil or bad, it's actually a good thing for you. He said, but I want to add that God Almighty has said that now I will save not only you, but every single person who follows you. So he says, I will not be able to take this inoculation, this shots. And neither will any of my followers, so that I can make the sign of Allah as clear as day. Nobody can say, oh, it's because of the shot that you were saved from the ta'un, from the plague. He said, there will be no shots, no, nobody will take any, or will not do inoculation at all. And then we will show you that we will, be, we will survive. And what happens? Exactly that. Not a single disciple, nobody. In fact, even Qadiyan itself, it was saved from the effects of the ta'un, from the plague. Then what else does he do? Again, he's not just doing, not just giving these signs. He actually puts a great effort. He writes more than 80 books full of treasures, full of things that are so deep that just bring to light things about God Almighty that people have never spoken about before. He writes them, he writes thousands of advertisements urging people to come to Islam. And first, of course, we know that he announced that he is a mujaddid. He is a reformer of that time. Then, Allah Almighty says, no, you are not just a reformer for Muslims. You are the Buddha for Buddhists. You are the Krishna for Hindus. You are the Messiah for Christians, Jews and Muslims. You are the Imam Mahdi. He said, you are all of those things. And he said, instead of bringing five different people, Allah has sent you. You will be the one to fight Satan in this last battle. And so the rest of his life, he spent that time writing, debating, and finding every chance he could to defend Islam, to defend the honor of the Holy Prophet Muhammad wasallam, and to reinstill the love of God in the hearts of people. I wanted to share with you briefly that right after all of this, this man Charles, when he traveled from Australia to go to, in, to go to India, he writes, and I want to share his words with you. He said it was, it was October 22nd, 1903. I was at Qadian and received the hospitality of the entire community. To most of whose dwellers, I was the first white man that had ever visited their holy city or holy village as a guest. Nothing astonished me more among all the extraordinary incidents during my missionary travels than the finding of myself in that sacred place and face to face with its Messiah, the Muslim confidences that followed betokened the love of God between us. Soul spoke to soul through spirit. After Allah had joined them by means of that miraculous meeting, the foreordained of predestined, all events are arranged in Islam by the Almighty and one only true God. Allahu Akbar. God is the greatest. And he says, eventually, when I was presented to him and eyes looked into eyes, he knew me to be Abdul Haq, the slave of truth. And I knew him to be the divinely appointed one to call the true believers together again to make the world safe for Islam. 
This was Hazrat Muhammad Abdul Haq, the Sahabi of the Promised Messiah And the moment he met the Promised Messiah before he traveled to Los Angeles and is buried there. We have a companion buried in the United States whose birth name was Charles C. Wright and now we know him as Muhammad Abdul Haq. We are blessed that these are the kind of souls who took that journey to Islam in those early years to make it easier for us today. And he was not the only one who traveled to Qadian. Many people continue to travel, try to go all the way to Qadian in order to meet the promised Messiah salam. So it's important for us to remember the great sacrifices of these stalwarts, these pioneers, these people who embraced Islam in America and allowed it to be easier for us to embrace Islam, to move here and to practice our faith. Let us remember them and pray for them and pray that Allah Almighty can make us worthy of the early or worthy of the same reward and blessing that these people received from their great sacrifices. Ameen. Allahumma salli ala Muhammadin wa ala ali Muhammadin wa barik wa sallim inna ka hamidun majid.